Hi guys, welcome back to Psyched Convos on Psychology Relationships and Personal Growth. I'm Nicole. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So before we get started on our episode today, I just wanted to give a quick reminder that we are in the middle of our nine day confidence challenge. And if you haven't joined yet, you still have time to catch up. The videos and the homework are all saved and posted in the Facebook group. So you can binge watch the days that you've missed. So definitely time to still catch up and join if that is something you're interested in. It's all about building your confidence, overcoming your imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs and um, really helping you give you the tools to improve and grow your confidence so you can take and live a more fulfilling life. And we also are doing a one day virtual confidence workshop on July 22nd, which is this Wednesday. So if you are interested in that, that is gonna be $12. It's going to be live on Wednesday and it's gonna be us giving you some more training. We're gonna dive deeper into what we talk about here on the podcast and even deeper into what we talk about and the challenge as well. And it's all gonna be on helping you overcome your confidence, really move you in that direction that you wanna go in if you want to go in a place and come from a place of a more fulfilled life. If you want to be able to make better decisions and decisions that are in alignment with what you really want and who you really are and really uncovering everything and all everything about you and who you are without the expectations and the outer voices that are usually covering all of our, of that up. So if that sounds like something for you, once again, their tickets are only $12 and I will post the link to get those tickets and you can get those and join us for the confidence workshop. And if you can't join us live, there also will be replays available. So if you are interested in that, I would highly recommend purchasing those tickets as soon as possible. So um, hope to see you guys all there. Otherwise, we'll go ahead and dive into the episode for today. A big so, one. <laughs> Yes. So I'm super excited to talk about this. I think this has become really relevant today and it goes along with pretty much everything we talk about, which is self-esteem and confidence and all those mindset blocks and fears and fears of failure and success. So it really goes along perfectly with kind of everything we talk about. So we'll go ahead and dive into the misconceptions first. So a common misconception of imposter syndrome is that if you have self-doubt, you have imposter syndrome. So basically like the two go hand in hand but I would say this is not the case. Self-doubt, you do, if you have imposter syndrome, you definitely have self-doubt, but it doesn't necessarily go the other way. Right. Again, I would say it's on a continuum because I think, especially when something's new, we're doing something new, we might have self, a little bit of self-doubt, or I think that goes along with a little bit less of self-confidence but there's, when you're talking about imposter syndrome, it's an extreme Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of really thinking that you're being, uh, you're like fooling everybody is kind of a a way that you would be feeling. Right. Because everyone is going to have, no one doesn't have doubts about themselves at one point or another, like you said, especially when you're trying something new. Right. But imposter syndrome is just a much more extreme case that actually can interfere with your ability to perform and to grow in your career or anything like that. Yes. Where self-doubt, like I said, I think it just, it can be there, but you get over it and then you're able to do your best and actually perform and work your way up. Whereas with the imposter syndrome, that would 
most likely prevent you from doing that. Right. And there's a level of healthy self-doubt, I think, because if we come on and think that we know everything, then that's probably not a good thing. Uh, so again, it's, it's, you know, you may have some self-doubt. Uh, and again, a continuum where you get to the imposter syndrome, where you truly feel that you really don't have a clue and you're fooling everybody else that you actually do. But inside, you really don't, you feel that you don't uh, have a clue about what you're doing or really being able to achieve the task that you're doing. Yeah. And that actually leads well into the second misconception, which is it keeps you humble. And like you said, obviously, a little bit of self-doubt is, I don't want to say, do you want to say healthy? Yes. Because if you assume like you know everything again i think that kind of narrows your ability to be open-minded and learn you know so i think that having some self-doubt makes you more curious and open to listening to when you're trying to learn something new you're more open to that and and i think humbleness too it's it's an important quality to an extent Obviously, you know, all these things do really go on a, on a continuum. If you're so humble that you never think that you have a, a place to stand up and state your opinion or anything like that, then that's way on the extreme. But having some humbleness to recognize that maybe other people do know things more, maybe because they have more experience, something like that, uh, being humble has its place. Right. And obviously being humble is different than imposter syndrome, though that's a very extreme version. And we all, of course, want to stay humble, but like you said, not to the extent of preventing it from preventing us from moving forward and progressing in our work or wherever we're feeling that imposter syndrome. Right. And yeah, I know we, we all know that person who's, uh, we've worked with who just comes in and thinks they know everything and never asks questions and just kind of takes over and no one likes that person either. So I understand that you don't want to be that person, but if you have imposter syndrome, you will never turn into that person. So you um, have the opposite problem. Yeah. So you'll never go to the other extreme. Right. Okay. So what exactly is imposter syndrome? So it's estimated that 70% of people experience feelings of imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. Uh, And that's according to a review article published by the International Journal of Behavioral Science. So it's really the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your talents or qualifications or abilities. And it was first identified in 1978 by psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Imes. So, uh, and also a thing to note is that they theorize that more women are affected by imposter syndrome than men, which again, I think makes sense. Right, right. I think just in general, women, I think just having had been less in maybe let's say in the workforce, Mm -hmm. because I think this typically happens in the workforce. We get a job and maybe we think that uh, we've really fooled people that that were as good as we kind of, let them believe, let's say in the interview, and we kind of work in that work in that place, thinking that someday people are going to find me out. I'm really not that person, you know. So um, I think that 
probably is more a woman's thing just because uh, they're women have later come into the workforce and um, I think men tend to you know it's still generally dominate the workforce so there's always pro it, it affects women more that makes sense yeah and I think women are put down more if they speak up they're not expected to be these dominating forces in work so people don't expect them to really be these outspoken strong-willed people in the workforce and men are and so I think that kind of turns women away from voicing their opinions so that and that's again because and maybe and I'm sure even too like men don't really ask women's opinions that often as well so if you're not asked your opinion and you're also you're not encouraged to speak up and I think that's more typical for of women as well. Right, right. Yeah, I, I obviously I think things are changing and mm -hmm. you know, heading in that direction, but I think it's still uh, dominated by men. Um, and then, yeah, it would be- At least the higher, for, the positions of power are still. But exactly, exactly. I would say obviously the workforce now is 50-50, but it's more the higher up positions are still very predominantly men. Right, exactly, exactly. People tend to still look to a male leader, I think, or well, higher level we don't have person. A, we don't have a woman president, so <laughs> that <laughs> right. says anything. Right, right. So, so yeah, um, yeah, we're just not looked at in the same way as a male leader. Yet, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never, I don't think we'll look the same, but it'll be different, but we can be better, so. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yes. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so imposter syndrome can apply basically to anyone who isn't able to internalize their own and own their successes. So like we said, it's basically anyone who believes that they got there by luck, not by their own talents. So it's uh, an internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. And so you're constantly, again, being thinking that you're going to be found out as a fraud. And this definition is usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement, but it also has links to perfectionism and uh, the social context that it's in. So I'm going to list off a few different characteristics of imposter syndrome. So if you're questioning whether or not this is you, um, imposter syndrome is characterized by definitely self-doubt, uh, an ability, an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills you attributing your success to external factors, berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to expectations, overachieving, perfectionism, sabotaging your own success, and then setting ch very challenging goals, but feeling disappointed when you fall short of those. Yes, all of these are definitely characteristics of imposter syndrome, uh, usually again to an extreme. You know, imposter syndrome will be an extreme of all these. Or, or most of these. And so it, it's an overwhelming feeling, a very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, and we'll get to how to overcome imposter syndrome later, but the imposter syndrome, really the problem with it is that just by doing better at your job or work or wherever you're feeling that imposter syndrome, that's not really going to fix the problem because you still, you're still going to just be 
thinking that it's the external factors for the, that are the reason for your success. So doing better and achieving more and having more success actually probably worsens your imposter syndrome if you don't deal with the root cause of it or the root issue of it. Right, right. Again, because if you're depending so much on the external um, uh, reinforcement in terms of you know how well you do, there's never going to be enough. It's you know you you get kind of used to hearing it, or you don't even believe that what somebody if somebody's saying you're doing a good job, you don't even believe it. Again, you you attribute it to they just haven't caught on yet, basically. Exactly. And so you're gonna, yeah. And so you really I think it's, so it's an internal fear up more because you keep getting higher, right? Up because like, then oh, you God. have to keep. You have to think, oh gosh, now I really have to live up to the expectation because they said I was doing good. And now I have to keep living up to that expectation because otherwise they're really going to find out that I don't <laughs> exactly. know what I'm doing. And I think it definitely, I think it increases, increases. And it is sort of a, a self-sabotage by the end. Yeah. You know, you get to a point where you, you have so much anxiety around it that it really then you start having trouble doing the things that you know right. doing the job or whatever it is because you keep feeling like you don't you have to keep living to these expectations because they're going to find find you out right and either you're going to end up self-sabotaging yourself so you don't have that success anymore or you get over it and improve your feelings of it so it's going to go one right. way or the other you can't really live in that world of having it in keep improving and improving. So now we're going to get into the causes of imposter syndrome. So it can be caused by a family that really highly valued achievement, or if you had parents who flipped back and forth between offering you praise and being critical, I think it goes along with perfectionism quite well. Uh, we mm -hmm. also know that entering a new role can trigger imposter syndrome. For example, if you're starting college or um, a new job, you might leave it might leave you feeling as though you don't belong or you're not capable there. Yeah, I think definitely if a family, uh, if you have parents where they flip back and forth between offering the praise or the criticism, I think that gives you, unfortunately, it doesn't give you a true reflection, a true accurate reflection on, on on your abilities um, because they keep changing it on you. So then you can never really find a baseline. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I would say that like a baseline of where you really stand. If they're kind of flipping and flopping, you can't really navigate or figure out for yourself. Again, we learn how we see ourselves from our main pri uh, primary caregivers. And if that's what they're doing, then even if somebody on the outside is saying you're doing a good job, if your experience was your parents kind of flip back and forth, then that's what you're going to expect other people to see. And so you can never internally judge for yourself that you're actually doing okay. And so that definitely would lead to having those feelings of having the imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people can relate to that where the parent maybe pushes them and says like, oh, you can do better than that. I know you can do that. So it's a little bit critical, but even though, and it's pushing the person, um, but then, yeah, like you said, if then they might get that praise on the other side of things too, which can be extremely confusing. 
So another important thing to note is that people who grew up with one or more parents who were perfectionists, they will peg the, your results against that ideal that they have for themselves and then focus on your shortfalls. So they're placing their perfectionist tendencies now on the child. Right. And that can be very damaging, of course, uh, never feeling that you're good enough. I mean, that's the message really that you're receiving when, when your parents are perfectionists because they are comparing yourself, comparing you to that level. And of course, as we know, perfectionism is not, is not achievable. Mm -hmm. So that means you're never going to reach that. It's never going to be good enough. And then so your parents then, are never going to be pleased, which means you'll never get that feeling of you've accomplished what you, what you were able to, or you'll never feel proud for what you've accomplished because it will not, won't be good enough in their eyes. Right. And then that will probably most likely translate to you not believing it's good enough yeah. in your own eyes as well. Yes. Yes. So imposter syndrome and social anxiety also tend to overlap. So a person with social anxiety disorder may feel as though they don't belong in social or performance situations. So those two, and like we said, with imposter syndrome, obviously your anxiety is going to be increasing as you continue getting deeper into whatever you're working on and the feelings of being a fraud and being found out are most likely going to increase the longer you're doing the work or work in that office or in that job. Uh, so that goes along with that social anxiety too. Yeah, I think the social anxiety is a big one because maybe you are in a social situation and it appears that people are talking to you and liking you or whatever, but you have in your mind, oh, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't accept, accept me. And if they find out who I am, then all is lost, you know, they're going to reject me or whatever. And so that can create a lot of anxiety being in social situations because you can never feel that people truly like you because you feel like you have this hidden thing about you that is unacceptable, basically. Right. So uh, I have a question for you. Would you say that, and again, I know imposter syndrome isn't technically a diagnosable disorder or anything, but right. is, is it because it goes along with anxiety and more the neuroticism scale and that side of things, would you say it's more from genetics or is it more from the nurture from our parents, like we said, with the perfectionist parents? You know, I think it would, it would be both, definitely. I'm, if you have more tendency, if you have the genetic predisposition to have anxiety or depression, then you're probably, depending on the environment, um, probably more likely to experience that, of course, in, in life. And again, I think the experience part, it's probably, um, depending on the situation, does it lead you into the, that imposter syndrome? You know, some of these, they're, they're so overlapping that it's really hard to tease them apart. Uh, mm -hmm. But definitely, I think there's, there's that genetic component, but the, it's the environment that truly determines whether those genes, if you have the predisposition, blah, predisposition for whether those genes will turn on or off, it's the environment that is crucial for that. 
Makes sense. Yeah. And again, since imposter syndrome is, I it's very, it's so specific to your environment. It's a very specific, you know, feeling and it's also not a technically, a technical disorder either. So, right. I right. can't say, I guess you're genetically or predisposed, predisposed for imposter syndrome specifically. Um, I would right. say it's more a predisposition for anxiety. Right. Right. That just, yeah, it, it'll, it'll, it, it um, manifests itself in this imposter syndrome way. Right, right. We have anxiety and it can manifest in, in a lot of different, whoever has anxiety, uh, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. And this is probably, this is one of them, right. you know, so yeah. And you might have more than just this one, but <laughs> yeah. definitely this is, this is one of them. It would fall within that umbrella, under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. So now we want to talk about how do we overcome imposter syndrome? So if you want to take a listen to our anxiety episode, we have some ways to overcome anxiety. And like we said, that's how, where imposter syndrome kind of comes from. It's under that umbrella, like we said. So if you want to learn about that, you can go back to our anxiety episode, but we can also, we're also going to touch on today specifically imposter syndrome. So for that, we, the first thing that you can do is make a list of at least 10 things that show that you are just as qualified as anyone else for the role you are seeking. So look at the people around you, what sort of qualifications do they have? Do you have the same ones? And then that can show you that, you know, you're in this in the right place that you were capable and qualified to be there. And if you're having trouble with this, if you can't find those 10 things that show you're just as qualified, ask yourself first, what evidence exists that you are any less qualified than anybody else to do this work and see if there's anything that makes you um, more qualified than someone. So look around you yeah. and try it for both ways. Yeah, I always think that's a really good way of um, checking, you know, if you're trying to find out what qualities you do have, and let's say you don't, you can't come up with them, always flipping it and mm -hmm. saying what makes you less qualified. I think that's an awesome way. Just like when I say, uh, if you're trying to have, develop self-love for yourself, ask yourself, what would you do if someone else was in the same situation as you and experienced the same thing? How would you help? How would you deal with that? Per how, how would you help that person or somebody that you cared about? What would you say to them? What would you do? And so use that as a way of how you would treat yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, that's I th always a good to, tactic to use. Yes, exactly. And so after you've done that, just in general, just again, this is, I know, harder, harder said than done or easier said than done, but own, owning your accomplishments. So when you do achieve something, let's say you do get a promotion, let's say you did get praise for a project that you did instead of going right away into this, oh, I'm a fraud, I'm going to be figured out, I don't deserve this, this is just luck, really own the accomplishments, really try and think about the reasons why you do deserve this and why you, you know, think about, well, I did really work hard the past couple months on this project, I know that I did my work on it, I know, like, find the evidence for the reasons why you right. should own this accomplishment and be proud of yourself for it. Yeah, I think that goes with also if you're starting to have the negative, you know, kind of putting down the the comment, the uh, accomplishments, mm -hmm. really paying attention to that if that's what you're doing and then 
basically call your, just acknowledge that, but then rephrase, rephrase that sentence in your mind and, and acknowledge, uh, put the phrasing in that acknowledges the accomplishment. So mm -hmm. kind of really paying attention, self-awareness, if you're going in that direction and really kind of catching yourself at it. Again, not beating yourself up because you're doing it that way, but just acknowledging, oh, I just recognize that that's, <laughs> I'm having those, I'm, I'm not taking in those accomplishments and then rephrasing in your mind or even verbally saying it out loud that yes, I deserve that accomplishment because whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And since I think this goes along with, um, this next point goes along with when I think a lot of people have this, where when they get complimented, a lot of times you kind of brush it off. You're like, oh, that's like, if someone's like, oh, I love your dress. You're like, oh, it was just $5 at like the thrift shop or something like that. Like you never really accept compliments or if someone's like, oh, I love your hair. It's like, oh, I just like threw it together in five minutes. You don't let those sink in. You always kind of deflect them. So right. that's something that women really tend to do. And we can apply what people say, you know, everyone's always like, well, if you want to work on your confidence or want to work on feeling good about yourself, you want to actually accept those compliments. So take the same approach with work. So instead of if someone says like, oh, wow, congrats on the promotion, or you did a great job on that presentation, don't say, don't use excuses and say, oh yeah, I was just having a good day or, oh, it was just luck. There was no one else really up for the promotion anyways. Like don't deflect that. Don't put it off, accept right. that compliment and realize, you know, just even if you don't necessarily believe it, just practice working on accepting it in yourself and just not deflecting it and saying, putting it on an excuse with it. I remember, I don't know if this was when I was young, Seventeen Magazine, or maybe it was Cosmo. I don't know. You know, they have all those things, how you're supposed to say things, do things. And, and I think one of them was about compliments. And one of the things they said is just stick with thank you and don't go into anything else. You stick with thank you and you just accept it. And that's a way, so learning to accept the compliment. So that's right. a, been out there, but yeah, I think we do, yeah. we do forget. And so. that's a starting place. Just saying thank you, leaving it at that, just, you know, stop your urge of trying to, <laughs> to make up an excuse for it. And just, yeah, like you said, right. say, start with the thank you, leave it at that for now. And then right. way up from there. <laughs> so, Instead of beating yourself up for being human, for making mistakes, if you do, and if you do make a mistake in your work life, uh, you can learn from professional athletes. So what they do is they learn the value from their mistakes and move on. So instead of using that as a reason for why you shouldn't be where you are or why you shouldn't don't deserve the success that you have, think of it more as you're human. Everyone makes mistakes. And instead of beating yourself up, you want to see what you can take from that experience, see what you can learn from that, because then, then you'll just come back stronger and come back better. Yeah, I think athletes really have, they have a very strategic way of how they, their mindset, how they prepare their mindset. And I think that's definitely, we all could use that mm -hmm. um, because they really, uh, they have to learn from their mistakes. And if they beat themselves up over it, that just, and they've come to realize obviously uh, you know, people who train them and all that, that if they didn't do well, that it doesn't help to just beat themselves up. What they have to do is really learn from what happened. And that way they can keep their mindset more on moving forward and just learning, learning how to do something better. 
So I think def definitely that is a really important thing to recognize when we've made a mistake, as all of us humans do. It's not about coming down hard on yourself, um, maybe sometimes calling you your yourself a name. It's more, again, it's looking back with curiosity. It's it, and not judgment, but curiosity and just factual saying, you know, here's what happened. Here's the outcome. And how, you know, was that outcome good? Was it bad? What made it bad? What made it good? And then going back to where are the areas I could have done things differently. And that's just being observing and looking at it without a judgment in terms of like, how could I be so stupid? Or, you know, that was really a stupid mistake. Those types of comments are the judgment uh, yeah. that hinder you. And it reminds me of, I know we talk about this in our um, program where we say we want to act more like a scientist. We want to take that observer perspective. Right. So look at it instead of adding judgment. So scientists, whenever they fail, they expect to fail. They know they're going to fail and they enjoy it They because they know that they can learn from it and they can now they're one step closer to what they actually want to accomplish. So right. looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, I kind of use the uh, analogy, let's say you're a scientist, you're looking through a microscope uh, and you're looking at an amoeba and the amoeba is doing whatever it's doing and it's surprising you and you're like, huh, so this is the curiosity. That's interesting. I wonder why that amoeba is doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, what led that amoeba, amoeba to choose and do that kind of thing versus you're looking at the, the amoeba as the scientist and you're like, I can't believe the amoeba did that. That's just yeah. ridiculous. So that would be judging. So when you put it in that, it's kind of a crazy way to look at it, but it can kind of distinguish the two different ways, the judging versus just the curiosity and learning. Right, exactly. So we also want to, again, this goes kind of along with what we've been talking about, but your negative self-talk, that script that you have going on in your head, those mental tapes that you're playing that are more habitual and automatic, we want to begin flipping those. So if you normally think, wait till they find out they have no idea what I'm, that I have no idea what I'm doing, or I know that I'm a fraud and I'm going to, when I'm going to be caught soon, things like that. You don't, that's like where we have to really pay attention to those automatic thoughts that we have and begin flipping the switch. And we know that that's not always just automatic. It's not, you're not going to be able to do, just do that in a day. But if you can be more aware when you're having those thoughts, and consciously choose the opposite, it'll slowly, and if you do that consistently, you'll slowly be able to change that mental tape in your head. Right. It is definitely practice, aware, being aware that that's the type of thoughts that are going through your head, and then being calling them out, just acknowledging them for what they are. They're these negative thoughts, and then going back in and replacing them with the more positive and, and truthfully more accurate um, for, uh, sentence in your mind. Exactly. And one of the last two things here that we can do if we have imposter syndrome. So something that successful people do is they visualize their success. So picture yourself giving that presentation or doing that job interview, something like that, that and just visualize it going well, visualize yourself doing it well, performing it well. Uh, visualization is a super powerful tool that I don't think people utilize enough. So there's a study out there that um, how, and show that shows how visualization is so powerful because 
uh, they split a group of students into two and they were teaching them the piano and half the students got an actual piano to practice on and half the students were, were just visualizing themselves playing the songs or the keys. And after the, the, the session was over, they had each of the students perform and play the piano. And there was actually no difference between the people who had the piano to practice on and the people that just visualized it. Right. So I hope that that can really sh emphasize how impactful just visualizing something is. I've heard that even with people who are trying, again, it was a study, but where they actually talked about building muscle. And so mm -hmm. some one group was actually doing the work and then the other one was visualizing and that they, not the same amount, but they actually uh -huh. did increase their muscle. Did they visualize visual themselves working out or did they visualize yeah. themselves the muscle building? I don't know exactly to uh -huh. what, I think they, my assumption and I don't have, you know, bleh. my assumption is that they were visualizing themselves working out. Okay. And so, but they actually measured their muscle uh, after the fact. And I don't, it might've been a few weeks or whatever, but um, there was definitely an increase in the muscle mass, even when they were visualizing wow. and not actually doing it. Our so brain it's is much more powerful than we think. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so awesome. Uh, last piece here that we have is when we, again, when we are having feelings of this vulnerability, you feel like this fraud, you're having all these doubts, it can be extremely beneficial and helpful to talk to people, especially talking to people who have gone through the same thing as you. So if you can find a mentor, a trusted friend, anyone who you think may be able to um, empathize with you, or even just someone who you know is not gonna be judgmental towards you when you tell them, um, they can really help provide some clarity, some relief. It's, it's really sometimes it helps so much just to know that you're not alone in it. And so having that support system in place is really helpful. Yeah, I think always silence when we hold it in that it tends, it will in, become bigger mm -hmm. and will get, will feel even scarier or you'll just feel worse. So definitely when we can find somebody that we can trust to talk about this type of thing with them, we can certainly feel more relieved and feel, like you said, not, not as alone. And also just recognize that it's pretty, it's actually pretty common. And especially when you're doing something newer and, you know, starting to build up on learning something, we, a, a lot of people experience it. Like you said, that was 70% in the beginning at some point in their <laughs> so, life at some yeah. point right mm -hmm. so 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 you could pretty much take a guess you'll people. probably get you'll probably talk to someone who's had it <laughs> right right <laughs> so so yeah okay well i think that's about it we hope this episode was really helpful we know again this probably hits home for a lot of people as we said there's 70 percent of people who've had this at least one point in their life so I'm sure if you're listening, you most likely have experienced it. So we hope this really helped, especially if you are going through something like this right now. So we would love if you could share this episode with a friend who, and like we said, if you're sharing with someone, most likely that person is experiencing it too. So it um, could be really beneficial and helpful to them. So thanks again for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, we really hope you enjoyed this episode, got a lot out of it and learned from it. If you did, 
please share it with a friend. We know, like we said in this episode, 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their life. So the chances of you uh, sending this to someone or sharing it with someone who's also experiencing these feelings is really high. So we would really encourage you to do that if you want to help out a friend. Also, just a reminder, once again, we are having our virtual competence workshop on July 22nd, which is Wednesday. So if you want to be able to start moving your life in a different direction, actually take an action step today in working towards building your confidence and working on yourself and working on your personal growth. That's what we're all about here. We want to give you that confidence to go after and create the life you really want and, and not have to worry about feeling confident or or being judged by others. We want you to have that confidence in yourself and be, have, free that mental energy up to be able to live your life the way you want, go after what you really want, live a more purposeful and fulfilled life. And so if you want to build confidence and have longer lasting impact in your life, join this workshop. It's going to be really amazing. Live events are always so much more impactful than um, just doing a challenge or, or hearing a podcast. This is obviously a virtual live event, but it's still going to be interactive and we're going to be able to see you and talk to you and you're going to be able to talk to and get supported by the other women who join this workshop as well. So we really hope that you consider signing up and joining. Once again, it's only $12. It's going to be on July 22nd and we hope to see you all there. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week.